So, but this morning we are um, diving into a scripture in Luke 17. Last week we were just a, a chapter or two ahead of that, and this morning we're in Luke 17, so we're just backing up a little bit. And I mentioned it last week, we're going to be talking about some lepers. <coughs> and I, didn't, I didn't say leopards, I was like lepers. So leave off the D and the O and the A. And so anyway, so a few letters there. So uh, I want to read this scripture to you this morning as we just jump right in this morning. And, and um uh, Verse, starting at verse 11, I think we'll go through like 19. And it's, uh, and it's talking specifically about this. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going, you know, I don't know what that means, right, when that happens. Come on, let's stop for a second. Because when you travel along the border, that means you're going to get people from both sides of the border, right? So you're going to get people that are um, Galilean, you're going to get Samaritans, you're going to get Jews, you're going to get, you know, Gentiles, you're going to get all these. So verse 12, it says, though he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, now I don't know, I, don't, I can't find another place where Jesus told somebody to do this. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. A lot of times, as a matter of fact, when somebody was healed, he said, don't tell anybody. You know, but in this case, he said, before he ever did anything, he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Did you hear that? Listen to me. And as they went, they were cleansed. Or it didn't say as they got there. It says as they went. Now, I love that part because we'll miss it if we're not careful. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he, and he was what? He was a Samaritan. He was a, a foreigner. He was, um, you know, I think uh, some scripture, I think this scripture actually goes on to say it. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where the rest of them? You know, pretty much. Where are the other nine? He is, uh, he's not, he's, uh, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner. Right? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now somebody help me out here for a second because we're going to go into it so it's not like I don't think it's a mystery to me. But I want you to think about it. Jesus just healed the lepers, but this leper he made whole. Somebody, what's the difference here? Because, you see, Jesus healed the lepers, but this one he made whole. And there's a difference this morning as we're talking about it, and we're going to dive into that. So now... Here's the thing. Let's talk about leprosy for just a minute. And I think we got a couple pictures because I want you to visualize what leprosy does to somebody because we don't really see it around these days because there's a cure for it. Um, and um, these people back then obviously didn't have a cure. There are many developing countries that actually don't have access to this cure and people suffer from it. But here in the United States, we don't really see it that often. But you can see this lady who is uh, suffering from leprosy. Just in a small picture, you can see various issues that she's got going on this morning, right? Number one, her nose. Usually your nose is the first thing to go. It's, I mean, literally, just go off your face. And so if you notice her hand that's up against her face, you notice that those fingers don't look normal. They look kind of twisted. They look kind of like they've fallen off even to a certain extent. Uh, and so this is leprosy. And it's, a lot of people over the years past said, well, that's a skin disorder, but it was actually wasn't a skin disorder. It was an attack on the nervous system in the body, and it revealed itself in various ways, attacking outer extremities first, working its way in. Is everybody with me? I hope so. So it's not a skin issue. It's actually a nerve 
condition. That's a, that's a, that's a virus that attacks and it's chronic. And I mean, and so basically, I mean, you know, you're going to have to deal with these things. So when I said that we have something to cure it, and actually we have something to actually prevent these things from happening, but you don't really cure it uh, from what I've studied about it. It actually is chronic, and so it pretty much lingers for the rest of your life. But here in these days, these people, there's a lot more to the story than what we even see and what we read. But I want you to think about this for just a second. This particular thing um, is interesting because leprosy would attack the body, the nervous system, and it would go to the outer extremities first, the hands, the feet, the legs, the arms, the nose, things like that. And it's interesting to me that it, it reveals itself. Sickness, and I've said this before, sickness will go into your body. You have sickness in your body, and it will reveal itself in places where, uh, in other places that, that you didn't see coming. I don't know about y'all, but when I think about this, I think about sin. Sin is the same daggone way. Sin is the same way. All of us have fallen short, but when we live and reside in that place of sin, then it's going to reveal itself in places that we didn't expect for it to reveal itself. You know what I mean? So I, one of the things that I think back when I was a kid, sin revealed itself my, you know, in my life through some of the things that my mom and dad chose to do. You know, so it was very, to me, to me personally, this is my personal conviction, it's very important that I do what's right and live in a right way so that sin does not destroy places that I didn't see coming. You know, and so I think this is one of those things that kind of, we have two meetings. And so, but here these ten are dealing with the same disease, the same pain, the same suffering, and most likely will result in death much sooner than it has to be. At this point, there's no cure for it. They were outcast from public places. Their own families had nothing to do with them. There was not a lot of hope here because the majority of their time that they spent with anyone was with who? Other lepers. And even they lived in communities on the outskirts of the towns because nobody wanted them. They had like little homeless communities where these lepers would live and it was just, and nobody would go in. And if they came out, they were shamed because they had this disease. Now think about that for a second. Could they control it? I mean, think about it. There was nothing really that they could do. And so they were unlovable, untouchable, things like that. And so they've got nothing to look forward to. I'm going to tell you what. Over the last few weeks, I've experienced some, some physical issues that I've never experienced before and some sickness. In the, uh, and, and I was, I mean, in pain. And there's another person in the church that's dealing with some of the same things. And I've been, I'm dealing, and I've been quietly, for the most part, dealing with this stuff. And I've told a few people in church, but not everybody, because I don't want everybody, you know, thinking I got like some weird disease or something like that. So anyway, so then I don't. But I want you to understand something. I've been in pain a lot. And, but there's others that go through even more pain. But here's what I want to tell you, because it's hard to function when you're in pain. And it, it don't have to be physical pain. It can be emotional pain or mental pain. It's hard to have a vision. It's hard because every day you're just trying to be okay. Every day you're just trying to make it through that day without dying. And, and then all of a sudden one day, and then one day I got up one day, and Amanda had let this, this past week, and there, there were several had laid hands on me and prayed for me. And I got up that morning, and I was like, I don't hurt. And I seriously, I mean seriously, physical pain. And you know what I did? I said, God, I know how I am, because if I don't hurt, that means I'm going to go get busy. 
And Amanda had told me before she flew, she got on that plane, she said, now don't you go doing stupid stuff this week and being crazy and being super busy and doing a lot of physical work and everything else. And I remembered her saying that. I remembered it. <laughs> and so I did exactly what she said to do. I didn't go overdo it. But I got on the mower, okay, because that's not a lot of physical. To do this is easy, right? And I got on the mower, and I had church on that mower because the pain had left me. You know what I'm saying? I was having church. I don't know if the neighbors were watching me. I don't know if the kids were watching me. But I was on that thing, and I was like, I feel so good. I feel so great right now that this is a blessing to me, you know? So it reminds me, listen to me, pain is not your enemy. Pain actually helps you draw closer to the Father and helps you realize what you've got in front of you. And so when that pain is gone, you begin to really take, uh, really, really, really remember what it is that's so important and how important things are. But here's the thing is interesting, the disease would begin to break down the bones that we're talking about, the lepers. I don't have leprosy. Down the bones, and it would rot them, which result in them just breaking off. Bones would just break off their body. Could you imagine that? And so these lepers would have lived in this community. Here they are, and untouchable and everything else, and they're isolated from everybody else. But let's go back for just a minute to sin, because you know what sin does? It isolates you. You know how I know somebody is living in sin and they shouldn't be? Somebody that's a Christian, somebody that, that's been in church and everything else, and all of a sudden they disappear and they're gone. You know how? They're not spiritually okay. Anybody that, and, and they'll convince themselves that they are. I don't need church to do this. I don't need this and that. I guarantee you, sin will isolate you in a second because that's what sin does. And the only people that you find yourself around are the same kind of people and here they are in the story doing the same thing. And so sin isolates. But so Jesus, here comes Jesus. And they, they come out of the woodwork because they heard something about Jesus. I don't know. It seems like maybe in another part of the gospel where there was a leper, there was a leper that came to Jesus. Maybe they had heard about that. I don't know in what chronological order that went in. But they had obviously heard that Jesus had done something. And so these ten get together. And I want you to picture this with me because these ten are walking toward Jesus. And Jesus is walking toward them. And it looks like uh, uh, something out of the walking dead. You know what I mean? These are 10 people that probably are limping, dragging limbs that look like this, that their faces are distorted, their skin's distorted. Nobody's having that. I mean, you know, get this picture. They're not just walking up to Jesus with a zit on their face. These are, these are really, really sick people. And they come up to Jesus. And I want you to picture it because Jesus was not scared of them. He wasn't scared of their condition. He was willing to touch the untouchable. He was willing to love the unlovable. And that's what made him so great. So Jesus, though, looks at them and says, go see your priest. Go see the priest. Or in other words, this is what I think he was saying. Go get your butt in church. Nobody agrees with me? So I, I, think, I think that's what he was saying. Now, was the priest going to do anything magical? No, the priest wasn't going to do anything. Could Jesus do anything? Jesus could do way more than the priest could at that point, no doubt. Right? But he says, I want you to go see the priest. And why is that? You know why I've thought about this for two weeks, and here's why I believe this. Because you and I try everything but, a lot of times, the Word of God. we got to put ourselves under the Word of God because the Word of God is that powerful, and if we don't see ourselves that way, see it, see it that way, then we need some perspective change. I need spiritual help. 
I need, you know, I've tried, I mean, I've, you know, I've tried everything, and some of y'all have tried everything, but now it's gotten into every part of their life here. And the only thing that can change these guys is to get to the priest, get to the temple, get to the house of God, because Scripture says, as they went, they were healed. Now, were they healed because they were going to church? Not necessarily. They were healed because Jesus told them to go, and they went. They were healed because of obedience. They were healed because God, through, or Jesus said, go this way, and they went that way. And it says, as they went, they were healed. <laughs> Man, that's some good stuff. I love this because this is it's based, and here's what's interesting, because I've really dove into this thing, is that I've, I've puzzled for days on, God, why is it that they were healed, but then this one comes back, but let, let's so. Because based on the rest of the scripture, I have to believe that these guys were healed of the disease and they would have known it because they would have felt different. The energy levels, the, the, the cells restructuring in their body, the disease leaving their body. But I do not believe that their body parts were healed because of what happens next. That's me. I believe that they were healed on the way to church but I don't believe that they were fully healed. And so these nine, I believe that since they began to feel so much better, they realized that their disease was gone, that they probably ran back to mama or ran back to their wife or ran back to the family and started telling them, listen, I know that I look the same, but you got to understand, I've been healed. Is everybody with me? But then there was one. Somebody help me. There was one. There was one. And, and, and in the excitement, he probably thought, I should go see my wife. But instead, he said, wait a second. Because my wife, she couldn't do it. She couldn't heal me. You see, it was Jesus who told me to go to church. And on the way, I got healed, and I'm thinking about seeing my wife, but first, I think I should go back and thank the one who actually told me to do this and actually healed me. And see, this is where it's transforming, guys, because the 9 out of 10 experienced the healing, but the 1 experienced wholeness. He experienced complete deliverance. And the difference was his reaction, not the fact that Jesus couldn't, not that Jesus wouldn't. It's the fact that his response to the healing was that he would run back to the Savior, to the Redeemer, to the Healer, to the one who did it. You know, before he went anywhere else. So nine out of ten probably went their way, but that one. See, Matthew 8 speaks of another leper that came to Jesus and worshipped him. Now, I don't know, y'all seen what these lepers look like. What does leper worship look like? I mean, what does that look like? And this leopard that's bowing at the feet of Jesus, just worshiping, and the people are probably backing up because nobody wants anything. To, and Jesus moves in closer. Because as we worship, this is a good picture, guys. When I worship, I don't look like what I should look like. I don't look perfect. I come just as I am, all crippled, all twisted, sin messed up my life and everything else, and my bones are falling off and everything else, and I'm cracking and everything, and nobody's got anything new. But here I find myself in my one chance to get at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus heals the leper. Because of what? Because of his worship. The lepers in Matthew 8, Luke 17, they both show us the power of worship when worship isn't about what God has done for us, but about who God is. 
You see, that's the thing is it's easy for me to worship when I've had a good week, but is it easy for me to worship when I've had a bad one? If it's easy for me to worship when I've had a bad one, then I know I'm in a good spot with Jesus because I don't worship him for what he's done. I worship him for who he is. And that's what i got to do. And so the lepers show us that. They teach us that. But sometimes, sometimes life, is, life just stinks. And it seems that every part of it's bad. And there's nothing good to be praising God about. What have I got to be praising God about, you know? Well, that's when we know that we're a very immature Christian. And that's where all of us are at at one point in our lives. If not, we're not there right now. And that's, but here's the thing that I've learned. That's when I praise him more. Through my pain, I praised him more. Now, did it sound good? Heck no. It sounded like this. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Right? It wasn't like, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. It wasn't anything. That doesn't sound that good either. But, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? So it, it isn't, it, that's not it. It's not a matter of how it sounds. It's a matter of who it's to. Because life is bad sometimes. I'm just going to praise him anyway. So sometimes we need to worship like that. And one of those, I think we need one of those, even if you don't, God, I'm still going to worship you. Even if you don't heal me, I'm still going to worship you. Even if this thing takes me out of this world, I'm still going to worship you. God, even if the money don't show up, I'm still going to worship you. Even if this relationship don't work out, God, I'm still going to worship you. Even if I don't get my way today, I'm still going to worship you. Even if my boss continues to be a jerk, I'm still going to worship you, right? doesn't matter. So here's the thing is, 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 let's look at that scripture again. I don't know if we can pull it back up. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? I say the same thing as a pastor. Well, help somebody during the week sometime and, and pray over them. Somebody that don't, somebody's lost, somebody that's not in church. They said, I'll see you Sunday. And I stand at the door and say, where the heck are they at? Because that's what Jesus is saying. What about the other nine? Where'd they go? You say, have y'all done that too? You've invited somebody to church. You stand at the door watching for them. And you say, where the heck they at? You text them. Jesus was probably texting those nine. Where are you, your boys at? Don't you know? It ain't your wife that healed you. It ain't your kids that healed you. It ain't, the, it ain't even the priest that healed you. It's your obedience to the word of the one who is the word. You know, the, the very essence of God in the flesh. And so then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, this is just my take on it, guys. It's just my take on it. There's lots of interpretations that could be here, but this is the power of worship. Worship God for who he is, not what he's done. And this man experienced being made whole through worship. He got his nose back, I believe. He got his fingers back. Y'all can, y'all can, whatever. I, don't, I believe this and nobody's ever going to convince me any different. That this man out of the ten is the one who got his nose back, who got his fingers back who could wear his wedding band again. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing out things. He put on his eye watch again because he actually had something to be able to stop the watch from falling off his wrist and everything else. You understand, this twisted body that this man had now is all straight. His skin is back to normal condition. His teeth are back in his head. You understand that some of his teeth fell out, and I believe it was at this moment that those teeth were actually restored, and I believe that they were restored better than what they were before. 
Because I believe that's the kind of thing that happens when we worship the one who can do it. His hair, well, I don't even want to talk about that. So maybe he didn't have any hair. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that was perfection. I don't know. Here's the thing is so many have lost so much, but when you begin to worship, God says this is how you're going to get your losses back. Come on, worship me for who I am. And if you want to get your losses back, then you worship me right where you're at. I don't care. Don't, don't worry about work. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about any of those things. Worship me right now, and you will get your losses back. And it's scriptural if you don't believe me, because in the Old Testament, he says he'll restore everything that the locust ate and that they consumed. And I believe that with everything in me. And so people see you, though, and they don't get it. A lot of times people come into church and they see people worship. Or they see you out and they see you worship. And they like, they like, like, you probably don't know what it's like to suffer. And they see those people they worship, they have in church. They don't know what it's like to deal with pain or grow up without a dad or to be on drugs or to be physically abused or neglected or any of those things. And how many of y'all, <laughs> listen, I can look around the room and I can assure you about everybody in here fits something in that description right there. You know, so... And it's not that we haven't been through similar things than other people that judge us. It's just that we don't look like what we've been through because we began to worship him for who he was. That's the difference. It's everybody else that's judging us. They ain't worship. They ain't done the things that I've done. And see, the difference between me and them and you and them is that we worshiped our way through it and that we experienced and we don't look like what we came through. We don't look like we've been drugged through the mud, but I can tell you, honey, I've been in the mud. Right? I've been in the mug, but, but Jesus put a little spit shine on this pig. How about y'all? So, same way. So, you know, he began, and it, you know, so he began to uh, restore the father that you didn't have when you worshiped. The brokenness that you went through, he began to restore and put you back together. And all of the things that life tried to destroy you with, he turned them around and said, I'll raise you up in spite of these things. As a matter of fact, I'm not just going to raise you up. I'm going to make your life even better because of the things that you've experienced and went through. So think about it. This man was a leper, and Jesus healed this leper completely. And think about it. People wouldn't even have recognized this man. And think about the people that had shunned him. Now, personally, if I had been that man, I'm just being honest with you, I might have went and visited a few of those people that had spit on me or had talked bad about me or told me I was nasty or wouldn't touch me. And now all of a sudden they want to do business with me because I look okay, I look normal. It would have been hard for me not to stand there and go, hey, you know who I am? And they probably would have said, no. Oh, honey, you know who I am. You just don't recognize me because God has changed me. But let me remind you about the time that you spit on me. You see, that's, I don't believe that's what he did. But how many of you would be tempted to do that? I would. I can assure you. If I were watching your movie, I'd be like, listen, I hope they go and they whoop their rear ends. This is the time for revenge. But I don't believe that happened here. Could you imagine being somebody that had talked bad or looked down and now all of a sudden you're exchanging currency with somebody doing business with them Somebody that had had a disease that you wouldn't be willing to touch, and now they're whole. And imagine the difference in the visual and, the, and everything else. But when we worship him for who he is, we don't look like what we've been through, but we look like what we worship. Listen, it's so important you get that. When you worship what you are going through, you are going to look like what you are going through. 
But when, listen, even the same thing is said about fasting. Jesus said, listen, when you fast, don't look like those guys over there. Okay, you see them? This is what they look like. And they would pray. And, and when you pray, don't pray like those guys over there. Dear Heavenly Father and everything else. said, no, humble yourselves down. Go into the closet. Do these things. He said all these list of things. I want you to understand today that you are going to look like what you worship. And if you worship pain, then you're going to look like you're in pain. But here's the thing. Everybody get me? You wor- you're going to look like what you worship. And if you worship whatever it is. You know, I have seen people, and I don't want to begrudge anybody their animals, but I have seen people that worship their animals. And a lot of times they look just like their animal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I see somebody and I'm like, daggone, that dog looks just like them. Or wait. Do they look just like the dog? I'm not sure which it is. I'm not sure. They spend way too much time together. I mean, you know, that's crazy, right? And so you can tell when somebody worships what they worship. Here's the thing is, I worship my way to healing, complete, whole healing. This is a guy. This is what this scripture's taught me. And it came at such a good time for me in my life personally that I don't know if anybody gets anything else out of it, but I can tell you that God has certainly used it to speak to me over the last few weeks. But in the Old Testament, as I finish up and I close, there's a story about Daniel. Y'all know who Daniel is. And y'all know the story about when Daniel uh, tells the story about the three Hebrew children, which they named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, uh, and they got tossed into the fire that was seven times hotter. Now, I don't know how you gauge that, because if a fire's hot, I just say it's daggone hot. And somebody walked over and said, yep, believe it's seven times hotter. I think that was when the first guy died because he opened the door to the furnace. But it says that all the ones that took him down there died because they got so close to the furnace that they just, they just went to ash. Could you imagine? I think if I were the king at that point, watching through my comfy little cozy window from above, I'd have been like, you know, my guys can't even go down there without dying. But he had so much pride, so much pride, that he was willing to, to sacrifice any, any amount of people to go down there. And here they are in the process of them going into the fire. All the guards dying, killed. Now you think, I believe almost that they just voluntarily walked into the fire after a while. It doesn't really say that. But if everybody around them is dying from being close to the fire, then is there somebody that has a superpower? You know what I mean? So personally, I believe that they were led down close to it, and then they were like, we got it from here, boys. That they didn't, throw, they didn't get thrown in them. I feel like that they just kind of walked in there because they were like, you know what? This is it. It's all right, whatever. But you can't help but to think that at the point that they're watching men die around them and they're not dying, that they might have looked at each other and went, <laughs> don't you? I mean, I don't know. I'm just, think- I'm just saying that. I'm just thinking. I mean, there's times when I read the Word and I'm like, I feel like I'm a six-year-old kid. I'm like, I don't know about this. So here's the thing. Listen to me. You don't wait for the fire to worship. The reason they survived the fire is because they didn't wait on the fire to get their worship on. They were worshiping well before the fire came. And so the fire had no chance of surviving and everything else. All these people dying, but they didn't wait on the fire. The fire 
When you've been worshiping before the fire, the fire isn't meant to destroy you. But it's actually made to make you even stronger and bring attention to the glory of the one that's in the fire with you. You see, it says in that story that they threw them into a fire bound, into the fire. They, ba- they bound them up. They threw them in. Don't know exactly how they did that. I still would like to know. But when they looked, they saw, somebody help me, four, right, the four horsemen. They seen, no, they seen the four. I'm going back to the old uh, days of wrestling, you know, the four horsemen. Anyway, so that's a whole other thing. Some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But anyway, they saw the fourth man in the fire. And here's the thing is, I am encouraged because you and I both need to worship because the one you worship will be in the fire with you and he will unbind you in the midst of what the world has done to you to kill you. He will, listen to me, he will do it. And the reason I believe that he'll do it is because all attention is on you at this point because the world has done everything. Think about this. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar. That's what his name is. So, King, King, he had everybody in the kingdom that we know of bowing down and worshiping the golden statue, which was him. And he got so upset because three that we know of didn't do it that he was willing to go to this extreme instead of saying, you know what, I got 99.7 percent, but pride will not allow him to do anything else. And so now the king has raised up this whole battle, this whole drama. It's posted all over Facebook. It's posted all over Instagram. It's on the news. It's on the local news. It's in the local newspaper, everything else. And we're going to set a fire to these guys, and we're going to make an example. That's what he's doing. But so as he wants control over everybody, he's making an example out of these guys, and so he wants all attention on them. So every eye in the kingdom is on these guys at this point. And what does God do? God unleashes the thing that they're bound by in the midst of the very thing that was meant to destroy them. Is that scriptural? Well, let's see. That what uh, the devil meant for bad, God will turn to good. Uh, and, And he does it at the peak moment that we can't really see. And so the king called them out of the fire after all that was said and done. And what did he do? The very king that was out to destroy, now he's got all eyes on him. And then, could you imagine when they walked out of the fire, that everybody's looking at the king, and it got real quiet. What you going to do now? Hmm? <laughs> there's probably some woman back there going like this. And there's some southern grandma back there going like this. Mm, snap. <laughs> right? He said, oh my gosh, what you going to do now, king? And he says, he proclaims their God to be the greatest of all gods and that everybody from that moment on will serve that God. Ain't that something? Especially after seeing that they didn't suffer at all. As a matter of fact, I believe they got their boogie-woogie on. I mean, wouldn't you? If you were in a fire that wasn't consuming you, and you looked around and said, mm, 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 and I would be pointing at the door going, <laughs> anybody else? I swear I'm doing it. I'm looking at the king and going, yeah, baby, right there, right there. Kiss it. I know I can't be alone, man. I swear I can't be alone. 
I don't know that they did that, but I'm promising you that that's what I would do if I were in there. Would anybody join me in that? Come on, I would. Remember when we talked about old Miriam and she was dancing on the shore of her dead bodies? I would have been sticking those toes deep in those bodies because those people had been walking over me. That king just wished me dead. I would have been like, right? Jesus, (laughs) God be the glory. (laughs) So not even did they, they came out, you know the story. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, what? I mean, they went through the fire, but they didn't look like what they had been through because they worshiped in the fire. And when you worship in the fire, he restores you, and you don't look like what you've been through. But what you've been through begins to look like you, who God has made you to be, rather than you looking like it, because it's drug you through it. And I, I tell you, that's, I, I'm permanently encouraged now to do this. He restores you. Some of us have been through the fire, and we're going through the fire right now, but when, you, when God gets you through with, with this, your families, their lives, their marriages, their homes, not, they're not going to look like what they've been through. You know? I mean, I look at my own life. I mean, I... Everything about my life says that I should be in jail, that I should be on drugs, that I should be divorced, that my kids should be hellions and everything else. But none of that is true because everything that God has done in my life has made it to be that those things that which I've been through are now just part of my story and I don't look like the things that I've been through. I, I had somebody come to me some weeks ago and they said, you don't know what it's like to, be, uh, to grow up in divorce. You don't know what it's like. to." And, and they were going through the list of things and I'm sitting here like, they have no clue. Because, and I'm kind of glad because they don't see that because I'm thankful that God has proved himself faithful in the midst of all those things. And I know I'm not alone in here today. And see, I, don't, I, I want you to get this. When the prodigal son started, coming home the father took off running and if you don't if you'll miss it if you're not careful in that story one of the first things that we see that the father did when he went running to him is he covered him he covered him he said I, I don't want you to look like what you've been through and I don't want others to see this man that I love and that I love you God is so good the father loved him so much that it didn't matter what he looked like it didn't matter what he'd been through. It didn't matter about the resources that he had wasted. The father loved him so much that he covered him because he didn't want other people to know what he had been through and smell what he had been through and see what he had been through right away. As a matter of fact, he wanted them to love him for, for what the father saw in him. And don't you think for a second that the father does the same thing for us? See, you've been through the pig pen and you stink and you look bad. But the father says, I'm going to cover you. And then he says, here, put these shoes on. And we're going to lead you back and we're going to celebrate. And nobody's going to know what you've been through right away. But when you're healed, when you're good, then the world's going to know. When you're strong, the world's going to know. They're going to hear from you. They're going to hear your story. They're going to hear your testimony. They're going to hear of the goodness of what God has done in your life. And until then, let me cover you. God, we thank you today for the covering, the love of the Father, the love that you have for us, God. We thank you so much today for that love for us. 
God, we're so unworthy of it, but God, we've been through so much, so many of us in here, and we're going through things. But God, I pray that we will worship you in the midst of those things, that we will create an atmosphere in our homes, and we'll create an atmosphere in our cars, in our job places, our workplaces. God, we'll create an atmosphere in our family where we put you first, that we just don't talk about it. We just don't walk around acting like it, but God, we're going to live it. And we're going to put sin to the curb. We're going to kick it to the curb, God. We're, going to, we're not going to reside in the place where we shouldn't be residing because God's sin will show up and, and it'll be just like the leper, the leper that's crippled and, and twisted and, and, and things are going wrong in our life because that's what sin will do. But God, thank you because you give us a way to overcome sin through Jesus. Thank you today, God, that through salvation in Jesus that we can begin the overcoming of sin but God you continue to give us victory every single day as we overcome those things now God I don't believe that sickness always comes because of some sin that we've committed or anything else because sickness just comes sometimes because we live in a fallen world but God I pray this today more than anything that we will in the midst of that sickness worship and create a greater atmosphere of worship so that the king of all kings so the healer of all healers so the doctor the greatest physician of all time will take up residence in the midst of that worship and do what you do, God. Heal, set whole, to make whole again. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.